بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his entire household To bless all his companions To bless every single one of us To grant us every form of goodness To accept from us the fast that we have engaged in throughout the month and to accept from us the standing in Salatul Taraweeh in the evenings, for indeed it is a great sacrifice. There are a few days left. In fact, tomorrow we will just be reading half a juz, and the following day half again. So basically we have heard the recitation of the entire Qur'an. It is very important for us to know that the previous nations have lost their book because they did not give the importance that was necessary to their books and because of other reasons. When it comes to the Qur'an, undisputedly there is one version on the whole globe. And the Qur'an, which is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belongs to every single one of us. We have the right to protect it and we should and we must. And in fact, it is our duty to protect it and to safeguard it. And for this reason, whenever there is a mistake that someone makes whilst reciting the Qur'an, it is the right of every single individual to correct that person. In fact, they should and they must. If they don't, they will be guilty of allowing an error to pass through the Qur'an and possibly even letting something that was not correct go by. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use us to engage in this great act of worship known as correcting errors. And may Allah make us from amongst those who can do so in the correct manner. This is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say that those who have knowledge, those who have intellect and wisdom should be the ones behind the imam. They should be the ones behind the imam. In case something goes wrong, they know what to do. And this is why right at the beginning of Ramadan, we called for those who are ulama and huffaz to come closer to the front so that they can attend to errors. But alhamdulillah, we have passed the whole month and fadlum min Allahi wa ni'mah. What a great gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Hafidh who is with me cannot see, but at the same time, memorizing the Quran through discs and through learning and repeating that, he comes here to fulfill Salatul Taraweeh next to perfect. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from all of us and to make this a means of our entry into Jannah and to make us from those who can sacrifice. For indeed, if we think we're doing a lot, there are others who are doing far more than us. This evening, inshallah, we will be speaking about what happened to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. We all know the Prophet Moses, may peace be upon him, he was with his people in what was known as a Tih. Tih meaning the land of wandering. It was not even their land. They were, because they refused to enter Jerusalem with him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them by saying, for 40 years, you will not enter any land and you will just wander on the earth. So every day they used to get up and start walking and they used to try. But by the end of the day, they were back where they started. And this lasted for 40 years. In the interim, Harun alayhi salatu wasalam passed away during that time. And death came to Musa alayhi salam as well during that time. It is reported in a correct, authentic narration by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, when the angel of death came to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam and told him, it's now your time to go, he gave him one slap, Allahu Akbar. So the angel of death went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a sahih, authentic narration. 
And he says, Ya Allah, you have sent me to take the life away from someone who doesn't want to go. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, go back and tell him that, O oh Musa, you will have as much life as when you put your hand on the back of an ox, the number of hairs that are under your hand. For each hair, we give you one year. Is that okay? So the angel of death went back and tells Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah says, you put your hand on the back of an ox, how many hairs come under that hand of yours? For every hair you have one year. Is it okay? So Musa alayhi salam says, and then what will happen? He says, and then death will come. He says, in that case, I'd rather go now. Subhanallah. And from this we learn, there was someone who asked me a question, can I give my body for science when I die? I want to donate my body to the science lab so that at least they can take some organs and maybe they can benefit someone and give them life. I asked them a question, how long is that life going to be? How many years are they going to live after they get your organ into their body? How many years? Another? Five? Ten? And after that? You see, this question is the same question asked by Musa alayhi salam. So sensible. If you are not prepared to die now, when are you going to be prepared to die? Allah says regarding the people of the book, You will find some of these people, the followers of Musa alayhi salam, you'll find some of these people, the people of the book, clinging to life more than anybody else. They will want to cling to life. Today on the globe, there are people who are paying to freeze their bodies into mortuaries and to wait until a day that science might discover how to give life back to that body. So they pay rental until their money is depleted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us common sense. We will not be able to run away from it. Let us prepare for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah speaks about the people of Banu Israel. After they got what they got, and they went into a tea, we found that they worshipped the, some of them or the bulk of them worshipped the calf. And then when they were instructed to go into the city of Jerusalem and to fight the Jab Jababira, those who were the tyrants within Jerusalem, they refused to go. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ مِنْهُ الْأَنْهَارِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَشَّقَّقُ فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ الْمَاءِ وَإِنَّ مِنْهَا لَمَا يَهْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ عَمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah says, then your hearts became hardened after that, so they became as hard as rock, and even harder than rock. Which means when the heart is hardened, it becomes so hard that it does not incline towards what is right. It does not soften for the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why one of the worst punishments that can be meted out to a person is al-qalbul qasi. To have a hard heart where someone comes to you with the words of Allah, but they don't shake you. They don't make your hairs stand. Someone tells you, Qala Allahu, Allah has said this in the Quran, and you just look away and your heart is as hard as ever. 
and someone tells you the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said this, your heart is as hard as ever, and you say, no ways, I'm still going to carry on in my own ways and habits. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Someone tells you this is the law of sharia regarding inheritance, and we say to hell with it, I know what I have done, I've got my own money. And someone tells you, may Allah safeguard us, this is the law regarding child custody, and this is the law regarding access to children and what have you. We say, no, I know what I'm doing. I need to fix these people up because they did me very wrong. And this is the type of statement that is uttered by people. That is a hard heart. A hard heart is a sign of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam made a dua against Fir'aun. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam says, وَشْدُدَ ala قُلُوبِهِمْ Ya Allah, tie up their hearts. Seal their hearts now because I would like them to see the punishment. They will not turn until they see it. So they saw the punishment. So we know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to soften our hearts. A sign of iman is when the hearts are softened. And Allah says, the hearts of yours have become hard as rock, and even harder than rock, because from amongst the rock, وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ لَمَا يَتَفَجَّرُ From the rock, there are those rocks that explode, and water gushes out of these rocks. You know at the time of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he struck the rock, and what happened? Springs gushed from that rock. So Allah is saying, look, you've seen that springs are gushing from the rock. And there are some, if you were to split them, you would find water. Sometimes you drill through a rock, you find water. Allahu Akbar. So Allah says, you can still find that softness in the rock. And Allah says, there are some rocks that drop from the top because of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they engage in acts of worship. They fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet the hearts of man sometimes are worse than rock. May Allah safeguard us. So these verses are very important that we uttered them because these people continued to harass Musa alayhi salam. We did not mention everything because we don't have the time to go through every single detail. But even when Musa alayhi salatu wasalam passed away, they were still wondering as a punishment for what they had done. What did they do? They worshipped the calf, they went against the messenger, they defied him, and they did not enter Jerusalem when they were instructed to go in. So Allah says, for you now is to remain outside. Until after Musa alayhi salatu wasalam passed away. Now one might ask, why did Musa alayhi salam want to prolong his life? What was the reason? Very simple. He really wanted to see the victory of Jerusalem. So he wanted to prolong his life so that he could enter that territory that was promised to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when he realized that this is the decree of Allah, he said, we don't want to contest it. For your information, when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam went through what is known as Al-Isra from Makkah al-Mukarramah, right through to Baytul Maqdis, he says, I came across the grave of my brother Musa alayhi salatu wasalam under a red hill on the side of the road. If you take me there, I will show it to you now. Subhanallah. So where exactly is that grave? I don't know, you don't know. It is a sandy red hill. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam describes it in the hadith of Isra. And he says, I went through, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam was engaging in salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. That is also an authentic narration from the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, after Musa alayhi salam, Allah appointed a Nabi, a Prophet. Who was that Prophet? A lot of the ulama are of the opinion that it was the young boy who accompanied him when they went to meet Al-Khidr. 
there was a young boy who was holding the bag with the fish, the basket, with the lunch. His name was Yusha ibn Noon. In the English language, Joshua. May peace be upon him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us peace as well. So this man was also a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he was the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permitted to enter Baytul Maqdis, to enter Jerusalem at the time that promised land. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made sure that with Yusha ibn Nun, nobody from amongst those who worshipped the calf were in his army, not one of them. So in 40 years, there was a change of generation. The whole generation changed and now with the new generation, new people who were brought up under the eye of Musa alayhi salam and under the instruction of the pious, although they were also quite stubborn and they also had the traits of their fathers and so on, but they were a new generation who were not under Fir'aun. As what we would say, born free. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deeper understanding. So Yusha ibn Nun prepared the army and it is reported that he went in with this army. The hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Yusha ibn Noon spoke to the sun because now when they were outside this place and they had surrounded this place, which was very, very difficult. And there was a short time left for them to have victory. And the sun was about to set. So he tells the sun, addressing the sun, that Allah has instructed me and Allah has instructed you. And I am telling you for the instruction that Allah has given me, you will stop at this point for a while. And Allah heard it and Allah instructed the son to stop. So it is reported, and this is again an authentic narration of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is reported that that was one day when the sun, as it was setting, it just paused. Exactly how that happened only Allah knows and the people who were there know. And then when he achieved victory, the sun set. Subhanallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the trembling of our hearts and to soften our hearts towards him. Thereafter we have Yusha ibn Noon remained for a while and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him away as well. Banu Israel remained in that area but they had a problem. What was the problem? Constant wars, constant fighting, two types of fighting. Fighting the external enemy and fighting internally. Internally because they were 12 groups. So they considered the children of Binyamin slightly inferior. Why? Because he was a stepbrother. If you recall, Jacob had 12 children, two of them were step and the other 10 were all from another mother. So these 10, they became powerful people and so on. When it comes to Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and his brother Binyamin, they were treated differently. As for Yusuf, he became the king of Egypt. So that was an exception. But as for Binyamin, they did not look at his progeny with that amount of respect. And they were constant skirmishes, as well as the skirmishes with the others. The Jababira, those who were tyrants, those who were people, rulers, and those who had skirmishes with them within Jerusalem and around. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he sent to them some other messengers and inshallah we will get to that. But from amongst these who were sent to Banu Israel, there is one known as Hizqil. Hizqil, whether he was actually a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a very pious man, there is difference of opinion, but we will say, may Allah's peace be upon him. His story is that at the time of Yusha ibn Nun, there was a plague. And there were certain people who tried to flee from the plague. They ran away from that plague and they were in their thousands. Allah makes mention of this in the Quran. أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ خَرَجُوا مِن دِيَارِهِمْ وَهُمْ أُلُوفٌ حَذَرَ الْمَوْتِ 
Do you see those who ran away in their thousands fearing death? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the angel of death to cause their death. فَقَالَ لَهُمُ اللَّهُ مُوتُوا Allah told them, all of them should die. They were running away from death. Allah can cause death without anything, nothing. Allah can just instruct the angel of death to take the soul out, gone. We normally blame something, heart attack, car accident. All that is a sign of mercy of Allah. Allah is too merciful to take us away suddenly with nothing wrong. So Allah says, hang on, I'll give you something to blame. You can blame something. Blame it on a heart attack. Blame it on bad eating habits. Blame it on fast driving. Blame it on an armed robber. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us good lives. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us away in a condition that He is pleased with us. So his keel was passing this place and he'd seen a town which seemed like there was nothing wrong with it. No punishment had overcome it. No one, there was no one there besides some bones. But the destruction, how did it come? Everybody died all at once. And as he was watching, Allah says, and this is in a narration, obviously this is now a Hebrew narration, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, would you like to see these people come back to life? And indeed, he wanted to see it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ أَحْيَاهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُوْ فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ And then Allah gave them life. And this man was watching. He's seeing the bones come together. He's seeing how thereafter the flesh is coming on the bones. And the people were back. And they started walking and everything back to their day-to-day lives as though nothing had happened. And Allah says, Allah is very, very bountiful upon people. He bestows them with so many gifts, but many people are not grateful. Ingratitude. May Allah make us from those who can appreciate our gifts. Do you know, to sit and ponder over the gifts of Allah, the positives that Allah has given you, to sit and think about them is a great act of worship. Because only through understanding what Allah has blessed you with, will you be able to thank Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that gratitude at all times. So that was... The Prophet Hizqil, as I say, there is difference of opinion as to whether he was a prophet or a pious man. The same applies to another prophet or a pious man known as Uzair. Very interesting story regarding Uzair. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, he passed a town similar to his qil, but he passed another town altogether. And he had seen that it was destroyed. And he asked a question, how is Allah going to resurrect this? Not in that he was defying, but he was inquisitive. He wanted to know, how will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrect this? And how will he bring it back to life? So Allah says, فَأَمَاتَهُ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ Allah caused him to die for 100 years. 100 years, this man who was a very pious man in the least, and possibly even a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this man was caused to die for 100 whole years. Then Allah resurrected him after 100 years. And Allah asked him a question. How much did you live? Obviously this is not direct speech with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but through revelation or through inspiration or through the prophet, or sorry, through the messenger, meaning the angel. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not speak to him directly. He says, I've rested only for a day or part of a day. Allah says, imagine a hundred years had gone by, 
And he says, I've only rested for a day or part of a day. Look in our lives. When you do not sleep at night, suffering insomnia, you toss and turn and toss and turn. The minute your eye closes, in one minute it's already Fajr. Allahu Akbar. Have we seen that? Before you know it, it's Fajr. So this is the gift of Allah upon us. Imagine if we had to feel how long it was. May Allah protect us. People would be up in about 10 minutes and say, oh, I've slept enough. But it's a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you are sleeping, for some reason, nobody can explain it, but time flies. To this day, nobody can explain sleep exactly how it happens and the condition of the soul and so on. No medicine, no science, nothing can explain it precisely. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone knows what sleep is all about. And even another issue that nobody can explain is a dream. One man is dreaming of beauty and the gardens of Jannah and the one right next to him is in hell, sweating. But this one cannot feel the fire of the other one and that one cannot drink from the water in the other man's dream. Amazing. And yet they are sleeping right next to each other possibly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to ponder over these things because this is a sign of the greatness of the Rabb, the Creator. Imagine, we can't even explain dreams. We can't explain them. People might tell you a thing or two, but they will never be able to conclusively convince you that this is what it is. Allahu Akbar. So Allah says, we granted this man, we resurrection after he was dead for a hundred years. We asked him the question. He says, I remain for maybe a day or part of a day. Allah says, in, in fact, you have been for 100 years in that condition. Take a look at your food and your drink. It has not yet become stale. It's as fresh as it was. But we want to show you something else. So he takes a look at his, his drink and his food. It's very fresh. As it was the day he went off, the day he was given death by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, now look at something else to prove now how long you've been sleeping, how long you've been literally dead for. Allah says, now look at the donkey on the other side. Look at it. It's only bones. It's only bones. But watch how we will bring it back to life. And he's watching. And Allah says, look at how we put the bones all coming together. The bones began to come together. And look at how we've clothed it with flesh. And it's clothed with flesh once again. That's his donkey once again. When he saw this clearly, he says, I declare and I know sound knowledge. I have now seen with my eye. Allah is definitely able and capable to do anything. Nothing is impossible for Allah. Everything that people call impossible, in the eyes of Allah, it is simple and straightforward. Very easy. So there's nothing impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the same man, he went back, this Uzair, he went back and his people were now in doubt. Who is this man? They had all passed away. There was a new generation. Besides a few, the young were still alive, but many of them did not recognize him. They didn't know who he was. His own children did not recognize him initially. There was one old lady beyond a hundred years old. 
it is reported 120. And this again has come to us from a Hebrew narration. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fact, we are, we are told in this narration that they asked her, do you know this man known as Uzair? She says, yes. He was a pious man, saintly man, so on and so forth. And all the duas he made were accepted. But she was blind. They brought him in front. She couldn't see. She says, but wait. If he is the same Uzair, he was mustajabu da'wah. Every dua he made was accepted. So tell him to make a dua that my eyesight is restored. So Uzair makes a dua. May the eyesight of this woman be restored. It was restored by the gift of Allah subhanahu When it was restored, she looks at him and she says, Indeed, this is the man. This is the same Uzair. When they went to the children, the children said, There is a mark from which we will recognize our father. He had a mark on his body somewhere. And they recognized him and said, Indeed, this is the man. Now he became a hit. Subhanallah. The Jewish people started saying, This is the son of God. They started saying, He is the son of God. And what happened? By that time they had lost the Torah because of their fighting and warring and so on and pulling and pushing and shoving and what have you. They lost the Torah. He was the only man who had memorized the Torah. So he re-dictated the entire Torah at that stage. Now Allah says in the Quran, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ عُزَيْرٌ بِنُ اللَّهِ وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَ الْمَسِيحُ بِنُ اللَّهِ the Jewish people, on one hand, they were saying Uzair is the son of Allah, and the Christians are saying that Jesus is the son of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Now, we see why they say that he was the son of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, na'udhu billah, may Allah safeguard us. What a great blasphemy, because of a few miracles that occurred on his hands. And this is also a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there was something that they used to keep. When Musa alayhi salam was passing away, he gave a certain little box known as a tabut. It was a box, the Ark of the Covenant. He had given it to Yusha ibn Nun. And every time in it were some of the fragments of the tablets upon which the Ten Commandments were written and a few items inside there. We don't know exactly what there is dispute as to what it was, but for sure it was a reassurance and a comfort to the people who had it. And when they opened it, they felt very secure, they felt very calm. And every time they fought, they took that ark with them. And when they fought, they won the battle. Whenever the ark was with them, in it, it had the tablets that were given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Musa alayhi salam. But they were fragmented. Some narrations say that when he came back and he wanted to hold his brother Harun from the head and the, the beard and he, he put the covenant down, it, it fragmented into pieces. But Allah knows exactly how it broke. At that particular time, they had it in this taboot. So this taboot, at a certain time, it was lost. And how exactly was it lost? It is reported that when there was a war between the people of Asqalan and the people of Gaza, against these people, the Banu Israel or the Jewish people, it is reported that at that stage there was so much disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, disobedience of their leaders, disobedience of their prophets, disobedience of those who were the kings from amongst them, that that taboo disappeared. They blamed these people for stealing it. It disappeared and they lost the war. When the king of the time heard it, this again is from the narrations of Israeliyat, when the king of the time heard it, he died on the spot. He took the news, he died on the spot. 
And from that time, they did not have a king. They didn't have a king. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent them messengers after messengers, but they were trying to look for this tabut. Where is the tabut? Now what happened to it? Did Allah take it up? Only Allah knows. Or did those people take it? Only Allah knows. But later on, listen to what happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الْمَلَأِ مِن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِن بَعْدِ مُوسَى Do you see the chiefs? The chiefs after Musa alayhi salatu wasalam from amongst Banu Israel, they told their Nabi. Now the name of the Nabi, what was his name? It is reported that his name was Samuel. May peace be upon him. There are different narrations of how exactly that name is. Samuel, according to some narrations. But in the biblical scriptures, it is the name is Samuel. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's peace be upon him. He was one of the prophets sent by Allah to Banu Israel. And Allah mentions in the Quran without the name, but Allah says, إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيٍّ لَهُمْ إِبْعَثْ لَنَا مَلِكًا نُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They told the Nabi that please ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to appoint a king over us. We now want a king. That king had died. We now need a new king. And that king, if he comes, we'll be able to fight once again for our land and we'll be able to fight for our place. Look at how they were cursed because they did not enter the land the first time with the Prophet Moses, may peace be upon him. Allah says, now we've cursed them. Now they don't have a land. They don't have a land that belongs to them. And if they had it, it was only for pockets of time. So now what had happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Nabi who is Samuel, may peace be upon him, tells his people, He knows how difficult these people were. He says, there is a possibility and a chance that you people, if fighting is written for you, you might not even fight. That's what you did to the Prophet Moses before. May peace be upon Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. That when he instructed you to fight, you didn't fight. So maybe if another king comes, you won't fight. So then they responded, وَمَا لَنَا أَلَّا نُقَاتِلَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ أُخْرِجْنَا مِنْ دِيَارِنَا وَأَبْنَائِنَا How is it that we are not going to fight when we've been driven out of our land, out of our property, us and our own children? We've been driven out, we need to fight to get it back. Which means the land was taken from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقِتَالُ تَوَلَّوْا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِّنْهُمْ Later on, when we prescribed war for them, they didn't fight besides just a handful of them. They still refused to fight. Now Allah is giving us the detail of how they refused to fight. Let's take a look at it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ طَالُوتَ مَلِكًا their Prophet told them that Allah has appointed a man as a king over you. His name is Saul, Talut. May peace be upon him. In fact, he was a king. So he was a man who was from Banu Israel, not a Nabi. Talut was a king appointed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through revelation to the Prophet Samuel, may peace be upon him, that this must be the king of the people of Banu Israel. So the king came in, and now when he was appointed by Allah, these people rejected his appointment to start with. What did they say? He's not from our race, number one. Number two is he's not wealthy. He's not from amongst the people who are rich. Allahu Akbar. قَالُوا أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا 
ونحن أحق بالملك منه ولم يؤت سعة من المال. They said, how can he be appointed a king over us when he's not even from our tribe? He's from the tribe of Benjamin, Binyamin. You see, he's from another one. He's not from the top tribes here. And he doesn't even have that much wealth. How? Today, when we appoint our leaders, take a look. They have to be wealthy because without wealth, you cannot campaign for elections. You have a poor man who wants to campaign. He, he depends on someone who's going to dish him money to put up an advert to start with. Allah protect us. And then we want to say, everything is fair, everything is okay. Well, where did we get the money from? A man on the street, where is he going to get the money from? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. This is the same system at the time of these people. They began to say, he doesn't have money. How can he be a leader? And he is from a different type of people. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded. For the ignorance of man and for the benefit of every one of us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ وَاللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مُلْكَهُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah has chosen him above you and he has granted him more than you knowledge and physical strength. So Talut was a strong man and he was very, very knowledgeable. Allah says, we gave him knowledge, we gave him physical strength. And Allah gives the kingdom to whomsoever he wishes because he is the owner. And Allah says, Wallahu wasi'un alim. Allah's knowledge is definitely broad. Allah encompasses absolutely everything with his knowledge. So he knows what is good for you. Sometimes we have a man who's weak, who comes to us and corrects us. He leads us, whether it is an imam or a shaykh or somebody who wants to correct us. And we think to ourselves, this man is a beggar. This man is a black man. This man is an orange man. This man is that man. This man does not have money and so on. Wallahi, if the message comes to us, inshallah, even from a beggar on the street, for as long as it is a correct and upright message, we need to learn a lesson from this. Allah chose him, whoever he was, as poor as he might have been, from whatever clan he might have been, to come and to stand as a witness against us on the day of Qiyamah. Ya Allah, I told this man that this was right and this was wrong. And this was his reaction. And Allah will question us and question him. So this is something we learn also from here. Never ever take for granted the messages that get to you. I always say, Ma asabaka lam Hadith. Whatever got to you was never meant to miss you. That also means whatever message got to your ear was never meant to miss your ear. And you're responsible what you did about it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then after that they agreed, okay, this is our king and so on. And now they had a problem. Talut was faced with a large number of people. It is reported that they were almost 80,000 and they were joining his army. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمَّا فَصَلَ طَالُوتُ بِالْجُنُودِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرِ He was very intelligent. When he left with his army, he knew that from amongst these, they are cowards. They are people who won't follow the instructions of the leader. They want to do their own thing. So he told them, Allah is testing you with a river. It was a hot day, they were hungry, they were tested. Allah says, do not drink from this river. Whoever drinks from it, he cannot be in my army. 
ومن لم يطعمه فإنه مني إلا من اغترف غرفة بيده and whoever does not drink from it will join me they will be from amongst me and my army but the only amount you are allowed to drink is if you take a little handful and quickly drink it if you really have to drink the water just one handful not more so Allah says فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ Allahu Akbar The bulk of them ended up drinking because they were thirsty. The bulk of them disobeyed. They disobeyed the instruction of Allah, they disobeyed the instruction of this king as well. Talut, Saul. And Allah says, there were very very few left. Now some of the historians make mention of the numbers. They say there were 80,000 to start with. How many do you think drank and disobeyed the leader? It is reported that 76,000 disobeyed. How many left? Four. Now 4,000 are crossing. And when they crossed, there was an army. As they crossing, this army is watching them. The army of whom? Goliath. Jalut. This man was a huge man. And he was the leader of an army. And he was waiting for these people to fight them. And he used to laugh and scoff because they were so big. Huge people. And this man in particular was very, very big. He created an awe. As soon as people saw him, they were worried and scared. So these 4,000 are looking now at Jalut, and they're looking at the others, and they're saying, Oh, we have a problem. They said, Today we're going to lose. Look, we have no, we only a few thousand here. Look at these people. We have no might to overcome them today. And the response came. قَالَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُ اللَّهِ كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَالَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ These people as they crossed, the ones who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly, and the ones who knew and believed that they are going to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either way, they said, don't you know that so many times a small number has overcome a larger number in terms of army, size of the army. Look at the battle of Badr later on, 313 against how many? 1000 strong. Who won? Allahu Akbar. So these people, it was their history, that small number who had belief, who had iman, who were powerful in their conviction. And they had sabr, sabr meaning patience, Perseverance, forbearance, these were the winners always in the history. You need patience. Because if you don't have patience, you run away. As you're running away, you become a statistic. Because why? They now eliminate one more person and they put it on their numbers. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when it was the beginning of the war, then Jalut came out in armor, solid armor. And he started laughing at these people, scoffing at them, telling them, this the Quran says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making mention of a dua that is made by the people as this man is laughing and scoffing. The mu'mineen, those who believed, they made a dua. What was the dua? Rabbana. Afrid alayna sabran. Oh Allah, pour upon us patience. Pour upon us patience. Afrid alayna sabran. Wa thabbit aqdamana. And strengthen 
our feet. Make us steadfast, make us strong. And assist us, grant us victory over the disbelievers. So now, normally what happened is, for the war to start, they needed something to click it. They needed something to start it. It is called a mubaraza, which means they want a one-on-one -on -one fight. You bring your best, we bring our best, we see who kills who. So the morale of the rest of them depends on what happens there. So their best was Goliath. He comes up, Jalut. And he is with his sword. And on this side, people are holding back. Everyone looking at each other. Because they are worried. And a young boy, young boy, a shepherd, he comes along. Holding a little stick and holding a sling with five pebbles. And he tells the king, he says, I want to go. What? You want to go forth? And the discussion pursues until they agree. This young boy, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. David, may peace be upon him. This is what the Quran says. He went forth. And as he went forth, Jalut is laughing, the people are laughing, everybody is coughing and they're saying, look, how can you bring forth a youngster like this? Come on, be realistic. Bring somebody realistic. What is he going to do? And one Hebrew narration says that they tried to put armor on Dawood and he didn't want it because it was too heavy for him. Young boy, he took it all off and says, now nah, I want to go. And one Hebrew narration also says that when the king, and when I say Hebrew narration, I mean the Israeli riwayat. We don't know whether they are true or not, but we will hold them and try and understand them and that's it. They do not negate what we are trying to say. So one of those narrations says that when this boy was going forth, the king tells him, how can you go forth? He says, just yesterday I killed a lion that was trying to devour my sheep. And the other day I killed a bear, he says, with my bare hands. Anyway, they let him go. And as he went forth, Jalut is telling him, I'm going to one swipe with the sword and your head will be flicked off. And this man, young boy, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, he puts one of his pebbles and he swings the pebble and he aims at the head of Jalut and it hits him, he drops on the ground, blood gushes out and he's dead. Subhanallah, he's dead. Within a split minute, the man is out on the ground laying cold, gone. Allah says, وَقَتَلَ دَاوُودُ جَالُوتَ وَآتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْمُلْكَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَعَلَّمَهُ مِمَّا يَشَاءُ Dawood, David killed Goliath. Dawood killed Jalut within a split. And Allah says, we granted Dawood so much after that. He was a strong, steadfast young boy. He did not disobey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine, he did not drink when it came to that river. He did not disobey the commands of Allah. He was an obedient worshiper, obedient to the Nabi, obedient to the king. And he came forth. There is one narration that is also not an Islamic narration. It is an Israeli riwayah that says the king decided to get him married to his own daughter. This king decided to get Dawood married to his own daughter. But Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, he was, his main aim was not that, it was to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after that, he became very, very popular. And he was made to lead the armies, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, because of his popularity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of some of the gifts that were given to Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. One of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُودَ مِنَّا فَضْلًا And we have given Dawood from us some virtue, some grace, some goodness. Gifts from Allah. What were the gifts? He was engaging in tasbih, remembering Allah. And suddenly, Allah ordered and instructed the creation around him. 
to engage in tasbih with him. So Allah says, Ya Jibalu awibi ma'ahu wa O birds, O mountains, we want you to also engage in tasbih together with Dawood. When he invokes, you invoke. Allahu Akbar. Imagine the power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Isbir ala ma yaquluna. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, bear patience regarding the rumors that they are spreading about you. Just bear patience regarding what they are saying. وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا دَاوُدَ ذَا الْأَيْدِ إِنَّهُ أَوَّابَ And remember our worshipper, Dawood, whom we had granted a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He was oft returning. إِنَّهُ أَوَّابَ He used to oft seek forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, إِنَّا سَخَّرْنَا الْجِبَالَ مَعَهُ يُسَبِّحْنَ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِشْرَاقَ وَالطَّيْرَ مَحْشُورَةً Allah says, We instructed the mountains as well as the birds to be under the authority of Dawood. Whenever he engaged in tasbih, they engaged in tasbih together with him. And they were all at his literally beck and call. Whatever he instructed them, they did. Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَشَدَدْنَا مُلْكَهُ وَآتَيْنَاهُ الْحِكْمَةِ وَفَصْلَ الْخِطَابِ We strengthened his kingdom. We made him a king. Dawood alayhi salam was a nabi and a king. He was not just a king and he was not just a nabi. He was a righteous man. Those pieces of information that are in the Old Testament regarding sins of the Prophet David and the King David, they are unauthentic. We as Muslims believe that the man was a powerful man very noble slave of the Almighty. He did not engage in the sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. In fact, some of those narrations have seeped into some of our books. Let us be wary of that. None of the messengers chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a bad track record. None of them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us from narrations that come to us from elsewhere. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, وَأَلَنَّا لَهُ الْحَدِيدَ أَنِعْمَلْ سَابِغَاتٍ وَقَدِّرْ فِي السَّرْضِ وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا We have made metal, the steel, soft for Dawood alone, so that he could make from it the armor, Allahu Akbar, and the chains that were required. He could make it with his own hand. One day, Dawood alayhi salam engaging in worship, thanking Allah, seeking forgiveness of Allah, glorifying Allah, and he is holding some steel, some iron. And as he's holding it, thinking how best he can make armor for the armies, suddenly he notices his thumb is sinking into the iron. Allah says, Ya Dawood, we've given you a gift. For you, the iron will be soft. You are one person. You can carve and make out of any iron piece, whatever you want for your thumbs, for your fingers, the iron is soft. Allah makes mention of this in the Quran. That was the Prophet David, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Tomorrow, inshallah, we continue with him and the beautiful son that he had, Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam. Until then, inshallah, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammadin subhanallahi bihamdih, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu allah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, 
the most gracious, the most merciful. Par excellence presents lessons from the stories of the prophets by Mufti Ismail ibn Musa Mank. Dawood alayhi salam part 2 David peace be upon him part 2 Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'ina wa ba'd All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his household, his companions, to bless all those who have struggled and strived to bring this deen to us and to bless every single one of us. Beloved brothers and sisters, it brings a smile to the face when we see the faces every single day, similar faces in the crowds. And subhanallah, we are connected by the link of Iman. We are connected by the link of Shahada. We have a love between us, which is solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'd like you to know that it brings happiness to the heart to see the faces that are mu'mineen, to see those who are believers who come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah accept it from us. We have read this evening powerful verses of the last Jews of the Quran with the idea of completing the Quran inshallah tomorrow, the entire recitation we would have heard it from cover to cover. And we hope and pray that Allah accept it from us. Yesterday, we had made mention of some of the stories of some of the prophets of Banu Israel. A question that arose. We had made mention of the Tabut or the Ark of the Covenant. And we said that it was lost when they battled Gaza and Asqalan. And either it was taken or either it was lifted up by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When did it come back? That is a very good question. We slipped up to mention it yesterday. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the Prophet to appoint a king after the request of the people and they had questioned the Prophet after he said that Saul will be the king or Talut will be the king. They said, how can he be the king? Because firstly, he doesn't have much wealth and he is not from the correct lineage. And thereafter, this Nabi made mention of the sign that Allah would send in order to confirm that he was appointed as a king. What was that sign? Here is the verse. Allah says, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ آيَةَ مُلْكِهِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ التَّابُوتُ فِيهِ سَكِينَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَبَقِيَّةٌ مِّمَّا تَرَكَ آلُ مُوسَى وَآلُ هَارُونَ تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ He says the sign of his appointment as a king is the fact that Allah will send you that Ark of the Covenant Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send it to you. It will come down to you. In it, there will be peace and comfort for you. There will be whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has held in it. 
with the remnants of the progeny or the, the, the family of Musa alayhi salam and the family of Harun alayhi salatu salam. I told you yesterday what exactly was in that box, we don't know. All we know is it was in it, there was some form of comfort. Whenever they had it with them, they won the wars. There was some revelation that was in it as well. Some of the scripts and scrolls that were granted to Musa alayhi salatu salam were in it. And at the same time, some other artifact, something was in it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And Allah says, this will be sent down to you. The angels will be holding it and they'll bring it down in front of you. And if that happens, it will be a sign for the believers and a sign of the appointment of this king over you. Lo and behold, that exactly happened as described by the Nabi. The angels came down and brought the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it there. These people believed and that is when they agreed that this man was the king and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter makes mention of how they were tested with the river we spoke about yesterday where the bulk of them though they were instructed not to drink they drank and so on and then the war that ensued and after that Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam the young David may peace be upon him with his sling managed to kill Jalut who is known as Goliath and after that he became very famous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him lots of strength Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him leadership Allah gave him knowledge. Allah gave him nubuwa and prophethood later on. It is important for us to know that there are many narrations doing their rounds which are incorrect. They have seeped through. And the reason why I constantly use the word Hebrew scriptures is to make it very clear to us that it is foreign to us. We have got it from Banu Israel. We've got it from the Jewish scriptures. Now, I have explained right at the beginning of the series that whenever we speak about Jewish scriptures, we believe as Muslimin that if the Quran confirms what the Jewish scriptures have, then we will believe it and accept it because the Quran has it. If the Quran rejects it, we reject it because the Quran has rejected it. And if the Quran is silent regarding matters of history that are brought to us by the Jewish or the Hebrew scriptures known as Israeliyat, in that case, we believe firmly which means we neither accept the information nor do we reject it totally. We don't actually need it. Sadly, a lot of it is blasphemous. Blasphemous meaning they begin to say that Sulaiman did this and the Prophet David committed that sin and this sin and so on. All this is blasphemy. I explained it a few days back. We as Muslimin believe that these people were the highest, the most pious, the best from the lot who were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he would not choose a sinful man to be a messenger. So that is the difference. Now sadly, you will open some of our books of history. And you find some of the historians do not make mention of the fact that this is a Hebrew narration, this is a Jewish narration, this is Israeli riwayah, and they just make mention of it and we start narrating it as folk tale to our people and people begin to think, well, that was the sin of the Nabi. Allah protect us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. So that was a very, very important point to raise. Some people said Talut, the king, became jealous of, the, of Dawood alayhi salam and plotted to kill him and so on. All that comes to us from a foreign source. We ask Allah to protect us and protect our books. And we ask Allah to grant us knowledge. Remember, there are certain things we don't need to know. We don't need to know. There is no point in knowing something that is inaccurate. If there is something that is shady, we can actually discount it completely and we can excuse ourselves from even knowing it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the respect of all the Anbiya 
and all those whom he has chosen. Amin. May Allah bless them all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how he gave Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam scriptures. Later on, as the king died, Dawood alayhi salam was appointed as a king. Subhanallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it. We established his kingdom. So we made him a king and we granted him prophethood. The term hikmah here is used to refer to prophethood. And we gave him sound judgment. So he was a qadi, which means he used to judge between people. And at the same time, he was a king. And at the same time, he was a Nabi. And at the same time, he was a great saint. This was the Prophet Dawood, David, may peace be upon him. King, Nabi, great saint and judge at the same time. And together with that, Allah had granted him more power in that we explained yesterday. Ya jibalu Some of the gifts given to the Prophet Dawood when he engaged in tasbih, the trees, the mountains, the birds all engaged in tasbih with him. And the beauty of it is people used to sit and watch subhanallah in, in amazement. We can hear all these creatures of Allah repeating the words of Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Amazing. And this is why the Quran says in another place, Every single creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala engages in the praise and the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you, O oh man, do not understand and comprehend that tasbih. So whether it is a tree, look at what Allah says in Surah Ar-Rahman. Allahu Akbar. Allah speaks about how the stars prostrate and the trees prostrate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Clear verse. We know it. I'm sure we've heard it so many times. Have we thought of what it means? So how does the tree prostrate? I don't know. You don't know. Just like if we were to take, for example, let's say any animal, let's say a sheep, if the sheep was to come here, how it praises Allah, we don't know. And how we praise Allah, it does not know. Subhanallah. But we are all praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you please keep quiet? Listen, keep quiet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us this tongue and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the ability to use it in the correct manner. And this is why whilst we have it, let's keep it wet with the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are taught that this tongue is a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you are not going to occupy it in the remembrance of Allah, it will occupy you in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what we learn from the Prophet Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us every form of goodness and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. Allah says, he used to praise Allah. He used to engage in worship. He used to judge between people. He used to fast every second day throughout his life. And he used to engage in prayer throughout the night or a portion of the night, a fixed portion. One narration says a third of the night, every night. And yet he was the king and he was granted wealth more than anybody else at the time. 
and he was granted above that the power to communicate with other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and on top of that he was a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but look at the humbleness look at the humility he used to sit and meet people he was loved by everyone Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam was loved by everyone he was a great warrior we forgot to mention that he was a powerful warrior there were so many wars that took place during the life of Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of how he was victorious shadadna mulkahu we established his kingdom and we granted it increase which means he was winning all the battles and the ark of the covenant was there with them once again we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us victory and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he was one who was able to hold the people together one of the reasons is he was just very just he used to sit and judge between people in a manner that was completely just and this is why everyone loved him because justice will lead the rest of the people to love the one who is just when you are not just and you favor one party or you are corrupt tomorrow there will be others who are corrupt and they will rule against you in favor of someone else so it continues we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us a lesson of justice Allah makes mention of a beautiful story in the Quran which we'd like to mention this evening Allah says وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ نَبَأُ الْخَصْمِ إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا الْمِحْرَابِ Did the story of the two who were arguing over or the two who were disputing over a matter, did that story come to you? O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now Allah is relating the story. Before we mention the detail, Dawood alayhi salam used to pray in a mihrab. A mihrab is like a prayer room where in seclusion he used to pray nobody was allowed to disturb him whilst he was praying nobody at all and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that when he was in this mihrab these two people suddenly scaled the wall and they got into the mihrab how no one knows because there were guards there was a big wall around nobody was allowed to enter this palace and within the palace there was a room and in that room there was a place of worship and that is where Dawood alayhi salam was as he is worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he sees two men and he was shocked they climbed over and they got to the mihrab as he was slightly frightened by their appearance there because he didn't expect them they told him don't worry don't fear we are two parties who are who have a dispute amongst us we want you to judge between us with the truth and we want you not to be unfair and unjust la tushtrit do not go against that which is fair and just and guide us to the straight path guide us to what is correct in this matter so he looked at them and he's listening to the matter so listen to this matter and judge for yourself let's see allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this was the matter this is my brother he has 99 sheep 
and I have, this is a female sheep. He has 99 sheep and I have one. We are partners. He is asking me for my one as well. And he has powerful speech. His speech has overpowered me. Now you tell us what should happen. Is it fair? 99 sheep he's got on one side. His partner has one sheep. And this partner who has 99 is saying, no, I want that one as well. Who is right and who is wrong? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. I can imagine what's in our minds. So, Dawood alayhi salatu was salam, just like we are all thinking here, he responded. He says, He says, look, it is oppression to, to take one. How can he take this one and include it into his 99 to make it 100? That is oppression. He should be from amongst those who understands. You can't do that. Then he continues to make a powerful statement which we need today, every one of us. We need it so dearly today. He says most partners oppress one another in their partnership besides those who believe in Allah and do good deeds and they are very very few. Let's stop there for a moment. This is discouraging people from engaging in unnecessary partnership. You have a partnership, you need to have a big heart. You need to be a person who does not love wealth. Number one, you need to have Iman and you need to do good deeds and you need to aim for the Akhirah. That is when your partnership will work. Otherwise, the day it breaks, it will be so sore and so difficult that you may never be seeing eye to eye, yet you operated together for the last 40 years. Because that's what wealth does. That's what partnership does. This is why partnership in Islam, we should know, is a last resort. You, you really don't have wealth. You've got expertise. The other one has a lot of wealth, no expertise. He can give you the wealth and you can share 50-50 when you do all the work with the wealth that he has given you and so on. But that is necessity. Without necessity, break that partnership. Without necessity, you need to make sure go in on your own. There is more barakah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us barakah. This verse, he says, Most or many of the people who are partners, they oppress one another. They take from one another. They owe one another. There is a red line that they've crossed with one another. Besides those who believe and do good deeds. And they are very, very few. Now as he uttered this, he looks around. These people have disappeared. They disappeared. They were gone. Who were they? They were angels sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to test Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. To test him regarding what? How can you issue a decree and a verdict without listening to the other party? No matter what crossed your mind when we gave you the story from one side, you did not listen to the other side of the story. So Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam immediately, when he didn't see them, he realized. He says, Immediately he knew that Allah is testing him. So he sought forgiveness and he fell prostrate. And when we read this verse a few days ago in the Tarweeha, we also fell prostrate. We also seek Allah's forgiveness.
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. Remember, when we fall prostrate in salah whilst we are reading the Quran, it is either because Allah asks us to fall prostrate or it is because Allah is mentioning how certain good worshippers of his in the past, they prostrated or how some of the creatures of Allah prostrated. So we will also prostrate just like them or how some people when it was told to them to prostrate, they refused to prostrate. So we put that aside and we prostrate. So these are some of the reasons why we find these prostrations. As you are reading, you put the Quran aside and you drop immediately to the ground for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are not proud and arrogant. We will worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the moral of this is no matter what, we need to listen to two sides of the story. A few days ago, I received an email from someone asking me a question. And they told me there are always three sides to a story. This side, the other side and the truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Nowadays, sometimes both are telling a lie. There was a time when one is lying, one is telling the truth or dispute. But nowadays, this one is lying, that one is also lying. So it's true, the truth is somewhere in between. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a good sense of judgment. Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu in tattaqullaha yaj'al lakum furqana O you who believe, if you are conscious of Allah, He will grant you a sense of judgment. He will grant you the ability to distinguish between right and wrong on condition that you are conscious of Allah and you have taqwa. May Allah make us God-fearing at all times. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter says, after Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam sought forgiveness and so on, Allah says, فَغَفَرْنَا لَهُ ذَلِكَ وَإِنَّ لَهُ عِنْدَنَا لَزُلْفَى وَحُسْنَ مَآبَ Indeed, we forgave Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. And we want to tell you, he has such a close rank to us. He is very, very close to us. We have granted him a close rank to us. And we have granted him a good abode, a good place, good status. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted that to Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. So he was very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah appoints him. Allah says, Ya Dawoodu, inna ja'alnaaka khalifatan fil ardi. O Dawood, we have appointed you a successor on the earth. Fahkum bayna al-nasi bil-haqqi. Wala tattabi'i al-hawa. So judge between the people with justice and do not follow your own whims and fancies. Don't follow your desire. A judge is meant to judge by listening to the truth. By seeing the evidence, not by what is in his brain. A judge in the Sharia is meant to see the evidence, not by what is in his brain. He is supposed to judge according to what is in front of him in terms of evidence. And at this point, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, when they had jumped over and they appeared in front of him, he was surprised, astonished. We are taught in the Sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, la yaqdil qadi bayna thnaini wa huwa ghadban. Whilst a judge is very angry, he's not allowed to judge. He must hold. He must tell the people, come back when I'm calm. When he's very hungry, he's not allowed to judge. Haram, prohibited. He must tell them, come back when I'm okay. When he is, for example, emotional, he must tell them to go away until he is fine. So any adverse condition, the judge in the Sharia is not allowed to judge. Because imagine, sometimes you're very angry. The next man that comes, you might send him to the gallows. Allah safeguard us. Execute him for nothing just because you had a problem at home. The social unrest back at home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. And this is the, the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sharia. And this is why the judges are meant to be the best paid people because nobody should be able to bribe them.
not at all. Whatever you want to give them, they already are earning more than that. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a wise sense of judgment with us. The difficulty is we judge, forget about being upset and angry and emotional and sending people to the gallows and destroying entire communities. Although we're supposed to be having the sense of justice within us, but we lose it because of senility and we lose it because our brains are covered by shaitan sometimes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. The anger, the temper, the temperament, the weather, the heat, all other adverse effects. Sometimes because we follow shaitan so much, Allah snatches away the ability to distinguish between right and wrong from us. Like I said, the verse of the Quran says, it is only if you fear Allah that you will have the correct sense of justice. So those who have no fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can forget about their correct sense of justice. Hence you find so many innocent people languishing in our prisons. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. And the criminals get away scot-free. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us justice and may he make us from those really who can whenever we are judged for or against, it should be upon justice. Amen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we told him, do not follow your whims and fancies. Because if you follow your desires, it will lead you astray. Allah says, those who follow their desires, when it comes to anything and everything, whether it is judging, or whether it is following their desires in doing certain items and certain things, Allah says, they are the ones who will be losers. They are the ones who will be losers. And Allah says, because of what they have forgotten, they will be granted severe punishment. They will be granted severe punishment even in the Akhirah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to safeguard us. That is a beautiful lesson we've learned. Then Allah says, and we gave Dawood a gift. What was the gift? His son, Sulaiman. Some people say, we are confused. How to remember who is the son and who is the father? I normally say Dawood is the D for the dad. He's the father. And Sulaiman is the S for the son. He is the son. Simple way of remembering. So Dawood and Sulaiman, you'll never forget who was the father and who was the son. So Allah says, We gave Dawood as a gift his son Sulaiman. What an excellent worshiper. He too used to turn to us often. Allahu Akbar. Turn in repentance often. Sulaiman grew up. Very, very intelligent young boy. Watching his father judge, he used to sit on the side and listen. And as time passed, Allah gave him more wisdom and so on. And one, a few times there is mention made of him interrupting in his father's judging and putting forward his suggestion as a young boy. Let's make mention of some of this because it is correct. Authentic narration in Sahih. Authentic narration. Rasulullah has told us that one day there were two women who had babies, little babies. And they had put their babies down and gone to do something either in the field or somewhere. And one of the babies was snatched by a wolf or a fox. And they came back to find only one. So the older woman is saying, it's my child. The younger one is saying, it's my child. What did they do? They said, let's go to Dawood. They went to Dawood and told him the story. And he looked at the matter and he considered both. He probably thought that, you know, the older one let her take the child because the younger one can have another child, inshallah. 
So he says to the older one, you can take the child and the younger one, you know, it's not your child and let the older one take the child. And Sulaiman alayhi salam, young boy sitting there, he says, oh my father, I have an opinion. The father says, yes, my son. Imagine with us, we would get very upset. I have my son fiddling here on the right side and it's, it's irritating me. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. <laughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fact, we are taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He says, yes, my son, what is it? Speak to me, tell me. So he says, look, now both of the women are listening. Dad, let's bring a knife. We cut this child in half, give half to her and half to this one. That's it. So now the two of them look at each other. Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam is trying to agree with his son. And as he's trying to agree with the son, the little one says, no, not at all. No ways. We want to have mercy on this child. Never mind. No problem. Give the child to the older one. Whereas the older one was just silent looking at the child. So Sulaiman alayhi salam says, dad, don't you think that this child belongs to the younger one? She has more mercy over the child than the older one. The older one was more or less prepared to let her go in half. And the younger one says, no, give it away. We have mercy. So Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam ruled that that child go to the younger one. Subhanallah. And he benefited from his son. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us children whom we can benefit from as well. And may Allah grant us children who can correct us in a beautiful manner. And may he make us from those who do not get irritated with our own children. Amen. Amen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then there is another beautiful story also mentioned in the Quran. Beautiful story mentioned in the Quran. Allah says regarding the two people who had come in. Two people came in and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how they disputed a certain matter to Sulaiman alayhi salatu wa salam. وَدَاوُودَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ إِذْ يَحْكُمَانِ فِي الْحَرْثِ إِذْ نَفَشَتْ فِيهِ غَنَمُ الْقَوْمِ Allah says there was an issue which came in front of Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam alayhim salam and it was regarding the flock of one person and the crop of the other. The flock of one man grazed on the land of the other where he had a great plantation and it ate all the plantation and so the two of them came. The one says my plantation is gone. It's eaten by the flock of this man. So what should happen? Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam is giving the ruling and Allah says we were watching. Meaning Allah is watching. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Sulaiman. We gave its understanding to the son, Sulaiman. So the ruling of Dawood was that, very simple, your crop is gone. This man's sheep have eaten your crop or his flock have eaten your crop. So let him take the flock and you go away with nothing because your flock is to blame. He asked him a question. Is it true that your flock was responsible? He says, yes, my flock was responsible. In that case, give your flock to him and you people can go away. The son says, oh, my father, I have something to say. Sulaiman, Allah gave him wisdom. He was very, very wise. He said, if that is what happened, then give that man the flock and give the other man the farm. And let him look after the farm until it gets to a point where it was before the flock ate the crop. And in the interim, this man can benefit from that man's flock by having the milk and by having the wool 
and at the same time by benefiting from any resultant offspring whilst it's in his care he will look after the flock and benefit when the crop is back at its place this man returns the flock to the owner original owner and that man will come back to this one and give him all his land again with the crop exactly where it was subhanallah look at how deep this statement is we have to sit and think about what exactly was said here and it is so miraculous what a judgment may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us sound judgment how fair how just because if it was given to one the one would have lost everything and yet the other one would have had his farm and on top of that a flock so here this was completely fair this was another one mentioned in the quran allah says we granted the understanding of this one here to Sulaiman and both of them we gave them kingdom and we gave them knowledge we gave them nubuwa and we also gave them kingdom they were kings and prophets at the same time and Allah says and Dawood Allah mentions yet again in another place in the Quran here that we made the mountains and the trees and other creatures engage in tasbih whenever he engaged in tasbih. Amazing. And Allah says, We spoke about it yesterday, how the metal was made soft for him, very soft. So he was the one who used to make all the armor and so on. And they used to win all the time. He developed a certain armor that was the best of the time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him victory after victory. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of something very, very interesting again as well. Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, it is reported that he had a castle where his wives were. And around that castle, there was a wall. He used to ensure that nobody came into there. He was very possessive over his wives. Very possessive. No man would come near. No one. So one day, there was a man in the courtyard. These wives noticed a man in the courtyard. And they told, they said to themselves, if Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam has to get to know of this man, he will be dealt with severely. So Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam calls the man and asks him, who are you? He says, I am the one who nobody can stop. You can have a wall, you can have a castle, you can do what you want, cannot stop me. Immediately he knew this is the angel of death. The angel of death, because that is the only one he can come to you wherever you are. Absolutely anyway, nothing can stop him. Besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam then welcomed him. Now imagine, he's now welcoming him. This man who had power, he had authority. He had so much kingdom. He had lots and lots of items that nobody can imagine whilst we're seated here. He controlled so much people. And some creatures of Allah used to obey his instructions. He had one of the most powerful armies at the time. And he's ready to go. Because he used to engage in ibadah. He was a person whom his wealth, his power, his, his authority never ever made him forget the fact that he has to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At night he was alone with Allah, crying, crying. 
And during the day, he was fasting. Every second day, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us the best fast is that of Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. He used to fast every second day. And he used to stand a third of the night, every night in prayer. And imagine what he had. This reminds us, what do we have? We don't even have a fraction. The richest from amongst us doesn't even have one millionth of what Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam has had. I mean, if we want to talk to the wall, people will take us to the mad hospital. We don't even have that. And yet, we find ourselves lazy to read Salah, lazy to fast, lazy to read the Quran, lazy to engage in any act of worship, and then we want to cling to dear life with all fours. Allahu Akbar. We would love life if someone told you, brother, I will show you a medication that will increase your life by a few years. I think it would be sold out within minutes. It's a fact. Because we all want dear life. Here is this man so humble, loved by his people because of justice. He was ready to go because he did not allow the dunya and this world to make him forget where he came from and where he is heading. This is the Prophet Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Thereafter, he tells the angel, you can take my soul. And it is reported that the angel took the soul of Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. And thereafter, we find Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, it is reported that in his janazah to carry his body to the grave, there were tens of thousands of people. And not only that, the birds came as well. And when the birds came, Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam instructed them. Now this is the son. This was one of his first instructions to the birds. Why did he have to instruct them? It is reported it was a very, very hot day. Very hot day. There were no clouds, no wind, and the sun was shining. As though entire creation was in mourning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam. What he did, he told the birds to create a barrier between the people and the sun. So they were just hovering in a huge flock, hovering above. And they created shade for those who were burying the Prophet Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. And that is when the Prophet Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam was recognized as the one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَارِثَ سُلَيْمَانُ دَاوُودَ Indeed, Sulaiman inherited Dawood in two things. In his kingdom as well as in prophethood. Which means he got exactly what his father was holding. It was given to the son. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. Let's remember. Whenever we worship Allah, whenever we struggle for the path of, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His pleasure, we will always find that Allah will choose from amongst our offspring those who will tread the same path. And I'm sure in our midst, we have people in one field. Their children join them more or less. A few of their children will join them in the field. So you have a doctor, his son is a doctor, grandson a doctor. I think after three, four generations, they start becoming plumbers and so on. But there, sometimes you have a plumber and you have the son is a plumber and the son is one of the biggest, most famous plumbers you could ever have. After that, they become doctors maybe. <laughs> no, we had to balance it so we don't offend anyone, inshallah. <laughs> and the same would apply if we are to serve the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly. Every day you're reading the Quran aloud in your home in the morning, your children will come around you. No sooner do you open your eye than you will notice your children are also holding the Quran right next to you. You read your salah every single day. You find your one-year-old child who doesn't understand how to communicate with you in sujood next to you. 
Wallahi, it's a fact. I'm sure we've seen it. Why? This shows us the power, the power of being a role model by action, not even by words. We need to behave in a specific manner, proper role model. There is no point in telling your child, dress appropriately and you yourself are semi-naked. If you were to dress in hijab, your child at the age of two and three will say, I want to wear what you got, mommy. Fact, isn't it? I'm sure we've seen it. You put on something on your head from a young age, the child will want to put on the same thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people who are living examples for our children. Remember the most powerful way of bringing up a child is just to lead by example. That's the most powerful way and keep them within the environment that you love them to be in. Because sometimes, and it's important we say this, we have a perfect environment in the home, but when they go to the school, the environment is so bad that they lose all the values that they learned within the house. They lose all the values that they learned within the house because they are now contaminated with so many different things and they lead a double life. So it's important for us to choose the schools carefully. And it's important for us sometimes we might have to make a decision to school them at home. Some people have done that. Depending where you live and what you have around you and the choices you have and so on, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. I think I've said a lot regarding the Prophet Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam and his son Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam. We have further details of that son tomorrow when we will see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him even more than his own father. Sulaiman alayhi salam made a dua to Allah that we need to understand. It was such a powerful dua. Inshallah, we will see that dua tomorrow. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us goodness until we meet then. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa natubu.